Friday, the 2nd of February. It's the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord. Let's pray together in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you are the King of glory. Light from light, give the light of hope to those who seek your face. Light of the world, give the light of faith to those who dwell in unbelief. Light of the nations, give the light of the gospel to those who live in ignorance. Light triumphant over every darkness. Give the light of love to the aged, sick, and dying who await you in patient faith. Almighty God, who dwelt among your people in your temple and called the nations to walk no longer in darkness, dwell among us, we pray, that we may become children of light. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. It is a better way to start a Friday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show here on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Uh, Well, that's at least where we originate from, but you're listening very likely uh, on one of the many, the hundreds of affiliates of EWTN, perhaps on satellite radio or apps. However you got here, we're glad to have you. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, we'll talk to Dr. Benjamin Lewis uh, from the International Commission on English in the Liturgy. He'll talk about a hymn that's been translated for the presentation that is jam-packed with some theological meat. Rita Heikenfeld is going to be along to discuss packing lunches and some good lunchbox ideas for your family. Um, Ken Craycraft along as well. Also, Father Hezekiah Carnazzo to look ahead to the Sunday Mass readings. So please do stay with us as you can. It is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The Biden administration is imposing sanctions against Israeli settlers in the West Bank. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said the executive order allows for financial sanctions and visa bans against four individuals directly involved in attacking and displacing Palestinian civilians in the occupied West Bank. The move comes after a Palestinian-American teenager was reportedly shot and killed in the West Bank by an Israeli settler last month. The United Nations says attacks by Israeli settlers have increased since the October attack on Israel by Hamas. Meanwhile, a report says the U.S. is preparing to carry out a series of strikes in Iraq and Syria in response to the attack in Jordan that killed three U.S. service members. Mark Mayfield reports. CBS News reports these strikes will target Iranian facilities and personnel over several days. This comes as President Biden told reporters he has decided on a course of action to retaliate. A number of Iranian-backed groups in the Middle East have ramped up attacks on U.S. personnel in the region following Israel's ongoing war with Hamas. I'm Mark Mayfield. The premature birth rate in the U.S. has risen 12 percent in the past 10 years. New data released by the CDC this week also showed that early term birth rates were up, rising 20 percent from 2014 to 2022. Experts say several factors may be causing earlier births, including high blood pressure, diabetes and complications associated with obesity. Pope Francis met yesterday with the president and board of trustees of the University of Notre Dame. 
In his address, he reflected on Catholic education in light of the languages of the head, heart, and hands. He said, quote, the task of a Catholic university is not only to expand the mind, the head, it must expand the heart. If we think and do not feel, we are not human, he said. And he went on to say, quote, Catholic education commits us, among other things, to the building of a better world by teaching mutual coexistence, fraternal solidarity, and peace, end quote. The Holy See yesterday released the Pope's message for Lent under the theme, Through the Desert, God Leads Us to Freedom. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. Recalling the exodus of the Hebrew people from Egypt, Pope Francis explains that our journey through the desert can be a season of grace, not an abstract journey, but a concrete path that involves seeing the world as it really is and hearing the cries of our oppressed brothers and sisters. Too often, the Pope says, there remains within us an inexplicable longing for slavery, a desire to cling to idols that paralyze us as Israel was paralyzed in the desert. Lent, however, is a season of grace a time of conversion where the desert can become a place where our freedom can mature in a personal decision not to fall back into slavery. Pope Francis adds that the one journey itself involves a struggle. It's a time for action, the Pope said, but also a time to pause, to pause in prayer and to pause in the presence of a wounded brother or sister. Love of God and love of neighbor are one love, Pope Francis continues, explaining that the contemplative dimension of Lent can help us release new energies to be more sensitive to one another. In the place of threats and enemies, we can discover companions and fellow travelers. Pope Francis concludes, his Lenten message on a hopeful note. To the extent that this Lent becomes a time of conversion, an anxious humanity will notice a burst of creativity, a flash of new hope. Calling on the faithful to be ready to take risks, he invites them to find the courage to see our world not as ending, but rather at the beginning of a great new chapter of history. Faith and charity take hope. This small child, by the hand, the Pope says, they teach her to walk, and at the same time, she leads them forward. I'm Christopher Wells. An agreement has been reached between an engineering firm and residents of Flint, Michigan, who filed a class action lawsuit against the company. Veolia North America has agreed to pay $25 million to settle the case weeks before a trial was set to begin. The company did not admit to any wrongdoing and said the blame for the Flint water crisis should be directed at government officials. The NFL's Pro Bowl games begin tonight in Orlando. It starts with the Pro Bowl Skills Show featuring the first five skill competition, including quarterbacks participating in precision passing and a dodgeball game featuring all positions. Players involved in dodgeball include Tyreek Hill and Jamar Chase, among others. The Pro Bowl games will begin on Sunday with the flag football game and four additional skills competitions. At the same time, the 2024 NHL All-Star Weekend is taking over Toronto. The All-Star Skills Competition will take place on tonight before the, before the four teams will play in the All-Star Game Tournament on Saturday. So my question to you, Matt Swain, would you rather watch skills competitions in the NFL or the NHL? I don't see why we don't just combine the two. Oh, interesting. That's He's, what they mean by a combine, right? Like, okay. just put all the—I mean, if they're both doing the all-star stuff, just put it all in the same, 
Let's see who's best athlete across okay, the Okay, tell me this. Would you use a hockey stick on a football, or would you just start throwing around a hockey puck like a football? So I think that you just eliminate all that and do something that I suggested a few weeks ago, which is just replace the whole thing. I mean, if they're not going to be playing exactly what can be recognized as regulation football, why not just scrap it all and just do American Gladiators? Just do Wipeout. Just do... Uh, American Ninja War. Just do like crazy obstacle courses and just let the, the greatest athletes in the world see if they can, you know. What about throwing a football on an ice skating rink? Oh, I mean. That might be interesting. Like a, like a football game. They probably do game, that in Green Bay A for football fun. game on skates. That could work. I don't know. That could work. I don't think you could really hit a hockey puck on a football field. So it would have. Probably not. Yeah. Maybe rollerblades. Oh, interesting. I don't know. Hmm. Roller hockey is not that different from actual hockey and football. I think Paul Lachman might disagree with you on that. Probably I don't know. Is. We'll see. Well, we're glad that you're along here on this Friday, the 2nd of February. It's nine minutes past. And we continue on the Sunrise Morning Show with Dr. Benjamin Lewis, and it's always fun to talk to him because we find all kinds of interesting nuggets related to feast days and the liturgy of the hours. Dr. Lewis, good morning. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Doing well. Of course, you are joining us from the International Commission on English in the Liturgy, where you're Director of Translation Services, and we get to look at a hymn for the Feast of the Presentation. Uh, it is not the Feast of a Groundhog, of course, <laughs> but right, it lines right. up that way. <laughs> uh, so tell us about who wrote this text and, uh, and give us a little background on it before we get into it. Yeah, so the, the morning prayer or lauds hymn for the Office of Morning Prayer on the Feast of the Presentation is a hymn text that's actually written by Peter Abelard, the famous 12th century uh, monk and scholastic uh, theologian. So um, it's an interesting sort of from a historical point of view, it's interesting that we have, you know, someone like Peter Abelard writing a text that gets used in the liturgy. Um, that it's a hymn text that's sung. So you can imagine that given his stature as a philosopher and theologian, it's quite a dense and rich theological text uh, for a hymn that we're looking at. So it delves into the, the, the situation of Christ being presented in the temple. And this is an, another example of where we have not yet had this hymn translated. If you go to a morning prayer in your current Liturgy of the Hours, the hymn that you see there is a, is a lovely hymn text, but it's written by a 19th century hymn text writer, and it doesn't have quite the the resonance and the sort of scriptural basis that this text of Peter Abelard has. It's hard for us to kind of wrap our mind around, like, the meaning of the presentation in the temple, because we don't have that in the same way in Catholicism. And sure. Because this isn't his baptism. The Feast of the Baptism of the Lord is a wholly other kind of thing, liturgically speaking and scripturally speaking. So how right. does this, yeah, I, I mean... I'm very interested to see how this connects in a way that maybe helps us better wrap our mind around the theology of what's happening in the presentation. Yeah, there's, there's, it has quite a lot to say about what, what this, this uh, scene in the life of Christ means. So this is the text that you can purchase the Divine Office hymnal. It's already out by GIA Music. And when, when the new updated version of the Liturgy of the Hours comes out, this will be the translation of the 
lauds him. O Zion, waiting for the Lord, adorn and trim the bridal room. Keep watch with burning lamps of faith. Receive the bridegroom and the bride. O blessed Simeon, come forth, and late in life find promised joy. Reveal to all the nations light that comes to be revealed to all. His parents bring and offer Christ. The temple to the temple comes. He willed obedience to the law, though to the law he owed no debt. O blessed Mary, give your child, the Father's only Son and yours and offer him who paid the price that makes of us a gift to God. Go forth, O royal virgin queen, with gifts prescribed, present your son. He comes, salvation for us all, exhorting all to blessed joy. To you, Lord Jesus, glory be revealed to nations on this day, with God the Father ever blessed, and loving Spirit ever one. Amen. All right, I'll give him a three qu quick hot takes, because that was awesome. Uh, <laughs> first of all, I love it when they have the Trinitarian doxology at the end, you know, where right. you've got the hymns where it, it says, you know... I, Praise to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, but it does it in some poetic way. Second of all, it is kind of cool to hear Simeon invoked in morning prayer, especially mm -hmm. since he's invoked every single night in night prayer. But right. did I hear you correctly? Was there a line that said, the temple to the temple comes? Exactly. That's yeah. the that's the stunner. There, man. <laughs> yeah, so it's it really makes you think about, okay, Christ as the temple, capital T, comes to the temple. Um, and there's there's that kind of wordplay and that sort of theological reflection on these connections in every single one of these verses. In the first one, you have receive the bridegroom and the bride, and it doesn't exactly spell out. Are we t are we talking about Mary as the type of the church and a virgin bride, or or what? But it, this idea that the the bridegroom is coming to his bridal chamber, the temple himself is coming to the temple uh his parents are offering him with sacrifices christ who is himself our sacrifice and makes of us a gift to god so there's all this sort of interplay of there's a gift and there's a gift and there's a temple and a temple and um and the light that is that is being that came to be revealed to the nations is himself being revealed as that light in Simeon's canticle of praise, um, which is sort of an interesting thing to reflect on as well. Yeah. So the other thing I was thinking about, you know, when you, th that's the other line that jumped out to me is that the bridegroom and the bride are here presented. And, you know, Mary and the church are kind of often uh, talked about interchangeably, like right. theologically, like the spotless bride, you know, brought up into heaven. Uh, you right. Can, a lot. Anything. If you're having trouble with Mary stuff, or you're having trouble with church stuff, just swap out the terms, and usually it works. <laughs> it works. Yeah. But with if Simeon and Anna are here, who is God's spouse before there's a church? Well, it's the people of Israel, and who right. are the stands in stand-ins for the entire people of Israel in this moment? It's Simeon and Anna. Right. And so it, this is a moment where the the people of Israel 
understand that they are going to become the church. Like right. this is a wild moment if you think about this transition of the the bride being Israel, right? And the bride becoming the church, and how that's all in continuity. And like Simeon and Anna are there to see a, a window into how this is all gonna all gonna transition. Right. And there's also in that first stanza, there's even the the sort of uh, reference to that uh, parable of the wise virgins, right? Lighting their lamps of faith. So it is that sense of we're keeping a vigil. The people of Israel are keeping a kind of vigil waiting for the Lord. And it's like those wise virgins who are waiting for the bridegroom and keeping their lamps trimmed. Yeah, well, this is a lot of, that's a lot of meat for a 45-second song. <laughs> right. <So. laughs> Dr. Benjamin Lewis, remind us where we can find a copy of the Liturgy of the Hours Divine Office Hymnal if we want one. Yeah, the Divine Office Hymnal is currently being published by GIA Music. Linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks so much, Dr. Lewis. Have a great day. Thank you, Matt. All right, back after this, it's 17 past. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 877-64-BIBLE. That's 877-64-BIBLE. 877-64-BIBLE. Have you subscribed to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes? When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. Beyond Damascus with Dan Demite and Aaron Richards is our show for young adults. Everybody's talking about encounter. Everybody's talking about that mountaintop experience. What we fail to often talk about is what happens after, what happens beyond that Damascus moment. Jesus Christ is calling all of us to be missionary disciples, disciples of Jesus who are on mission to bring the kingdom of God here and now on this earth. Beyond Damascus with Dan Demite and Aaron Richards tomorrow at 8 Eastern on EWTN Radio. 19 past. Here's Anna with headlines. The Biden administration is imposing sanctions against Israeli settlers in the West Bank. Pope Francis met yesterday with the president and board of the University of Notre Dame and reflected on Catholic education in light of the languages of the head, heart, and hands. And the Holy See yesterday released the Pope's message for Lent under the theme, Through the Desert, God Leads Us to Freedom. All right. Full newscast coming up in about 11 minutes. Anna Mitchell, we are closing out Catholic Schools Week. We are indeed. Uh, Today we've got uh, Dress Like a Teacher Day. Oh, interesting. It's a dress-up day at school mass today. All school mass 
It's so a big day. On their Sunday best on a Friday. It's a big day for Tommy because this is the day that the kindergarten gets to start going to the school mass, and so they get to sit with the middle schoolers. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So they'll be going to mass here on out on Fridays. Yeah, they got Teacher Appreciation Day going for us too. So I think That's they're awesome. doing some fun school stuff for the teachers. Cool. But I'm seeing this thing, and I, I'm going to have to ask my son about it. It says uh, there's going to be an all school armor battle ending Catholic School Week's competition. Now, I'm assuming this is mostly metaphorical. Like, maybe there's, like, an Armor of God theme or something like that. Wow. But, yeah. I know they've been doing penny wars and all kinds of fun stuff. And in your school, we're praying for you and your Catholic schools. Praying for all you teachers. Yep. Even if uh, Teacher Appreciation Day doesn't line up for you, I appreciate you all teachers. Yes. Yes. Including those of you who are teaching Absolutely. in your own homes. Especially you teachers that teach my kids. God exactly. bless you. <laughs> Happy Catholic Schools Week. It's 21 past. Owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Have you subscribed to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes? When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, Go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. The Baltimore Catechism asks, What is the Holy Eucharist? The Holy Eucharist is the sacrament which contains the body and blood, soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ under the appearances of bread and wine. The Eucharist is truly Jesus. He who said, This is my body. This is my blood. And he says in John, my blood is true drink. My flesh is food indeed. He who eats it has eternal life, the source and the summit of all graces. The Eucharist is as much Christ as he was when he was here on earth, because it is the very substance of the Godhead. Thank you, Lord, for this great sacrament which you have given us. Help us to always love it and to serve it, to serve our Lord Jesus Christ, so that we might keep the faith until death and see you one day face to face. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. Well, it's always fun every week to catch up with Rita Heikenfeld from abouteating.com to discuss Bible foods and herbs and eating habits from our forebears and the faith. Rita, good morning. Well, good morning, and I think this subject is near and dear to your heart and Annie. Uh, there's probably some people involved in this subject <laughs> right now. It's Catholic Schools <clears throat> Week, and uh, we're going to talk about packing lunches, <laughs> right? Uh, so, uh, obviously, no refrigerator, no microwave. Uh, anything that a kid in Jesus' day was going to bring with them for the day, they would probably have to pack in some sort of like a preserved manner because they can't... They can't go microwave it, and they can't come out of the fridge. So uh, talk a little bit about the 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 whole 
surrounding culture and, and how kids would have done this? Well, first of all, um, they would, as far as what they would have eaten, it would have been a hunk of bread, perhaps some dried fish, um, fresh or dried fruit, and yogurt, and certainly some water. That was probably about it. But, you know, the primary purpose, uh, Matt, of education for the Jewish people back then was what they said was learning and learning of and obedience to the law of God. But then there was another purpose, and that was to teach the practical lessons for everyday life. And as you know, that meant a trade for the, the male and the care and feeding of the household for the girls. Um, and I always think of Jesus apprenticing under Joseph uh, for carpentry. So schools would not have existed in the same way that they exist today. Oh, no, um, not certainly not. Um, home was still considered the first and the most effective way to teach. And parents back then, they were considered the best teachers, Matt. But here's the deal. The synagogues were also uh, places of teaching, and the synagogues provided additional education, especially for the young Jewish males. Um, they started studying, besides other things, reading, writing, and even arithmetic. So that was important as well. Well, it's not just the people of the first century who thought that parents should be the the main educators. I'm looking at the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 2223. And it says, parents have the first responsibility for the education of their children. They bear witness to this responsibility first by creating a home where tenderness, forgiveness, respect, fidelity, and service are the rule. This home is your uh, main place for education and the virtues. We, we teach that to the present day, Rita. You know, isn't that the truth? All right. So uh, what are some options then for kids packing lunch? Well, I don't know if your kids and Annie's, it seems like everybody, if they're not allergic to peanut butter, um, some kind of nut butter and apple sandwiches, but a lot of times those apples uh, just slide off, no matter how thin you, you know, cut them. So uh, what we used to do was shred up the apples and with a little bit of lemon juice, and that keeps them white. And oh, then like with I, a cheese grater? Or? Yeah, that's what we used to do. We just have an old-fashioned cheese grater, and um, you could do that, gosh even in a food processor now, but you let the little ones just sprinkle the shredded apples, Matt, on top of the peanut butter. They seal the sandwich, so they have part um, and parcel some ownership there, and they really love it that way, and they've got some fruit in there instead of that big old apple that they seem to never eat. That's a great idea for a number of reasons. First of all, because any jelly you're going to put on that PBJ is going to be loaded with sugar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Absolutely. having the apple, and I mean, what better snack is there than a slice of apple dipped in a jar of peanut butter? So mm-hmm. having that on a sandwich is a great idea. you got a trail mix, too, and you've shared a few trail mixes over the years, but what's this one? Well, um, this has almonds and pistachios in it. Of course, you can put any kind of nuts your kids like, but those are the uh, nuts that are mentioned in the Bible. And I always say, again, let the kids stir this up. So what basically, and this is just a guide, I, we usually do a cup each of almonds, pecans, walnuts, pumpkin seeds, um, pistachios. And then you want to stir in about one and a half or two cups of dried fruit. Cherries are good. Chopped apricots, a biblical fruit, are good, but let them choose. And then just for fun and heart health, a cup of dark chocolate chips, the dark, because that's the key there. And then they've got a little bit of sweetness, a little bit of uh, uh Savory, a Some lot of crunch. good protein, crunch, yeah. and fiber. So, And you can make bags and bags of that up so they have one every day. All right. So, Rita, there are a lot of things that I think people waste money on uh, 
that they shouldn't have to waste money on. When I go and I see that uh, at the coffee shop they have cake pops, it's mm-hmm. like one bite of cake for like four dollars. I'm like, yeah, you could you could do that at home for like fifty cents. But one of the things I think people waste a ton of money on is those like squeeze packs of like applesauce, mm-hmm. where you're getting basically about three tablespoons of pureed fruit for like a dollar fifty a pack. So you've got some ideas to maybe cut that corner for families. Oh, yeah. And these kids love smoothies, too. And these are called the Make-Ahead Smoothie Pack. Basically, um, you're just going to need one and a half cups or so of your favorite frozen fruit. And what uh, we used to do was buy several different kinds of big bags of several different kinds and then let the kids just dip, dip out their favorite fruit. About one and a half cups in a small baggie. And I always like to add some sliced bananas in, into the mix. And you want to use frozen fruit because then it's just ready for the freezer and the bananas will freeze pretty quick. If you can throw a few fresh greens in there, like spinach, um, that's Stick a good of celery idea works well, too, yeah. Yes, yes. And so basically, as I said, you just pour those into individual baggies, right on the bag, um, how much liquid to add, like a cup and uh, maybe some honey uh, when blending. So when you pull them out of the freezer... The kids can even blend them up, and uh, they stay cold until lunch, so they act as a refrigerant as well. Yeah, they keep the rest of the stuff in that lunchbox Mm -hmm. cold. You've also got some tips uh, at abouteating.com for packing hot foods and how pasta is probably one of the best things that you can pack Mm -hmm. if you're trying to do something hot. But these are all, these are a lot of money. There are people who pay lots and lots of money to go buy prepackaged versions of the stuff you just talked about, (laughs) Rita. So this is... This is some great stuff. Thank you so much. We've got about eating linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a wonderful day. I will, and I'll talk to you again next week, Matt. And again, head on over to sunrisemorningshow.com. Subscribe. Get show notes delivered to your inbox every single morning before the show kicks off. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. A new report says the U.S. is preparing to carry out a series of strikes in Iraq and Syria in response to the attack in Jordan that killed three U.S. service members. CBS News is reporting the strikes will target Iranian facilities and personnel over several days. This coming, as President Biden told reporters, he had decided on a course of action to retaliate. A number of Iranian-backed groups in the Middle East have ramped up attacks on U.S. personnel in the region following Israel's ongoing war with Hamas since the attack by Hamas on October 7th. Meanwhile, the Biden administration is imposing sanctions against Israeli settlers in the West Bank. More from Mark Mayfield. The order targets settlers who have been attacking and displacing Palestinian civilians in the occupied region. The move comes after a Palestinian-American teenager was reportedly shot and killed in the West Bank by an Israeli settler last month. The United Nations says attacks by Israeli settlers have increased since the October attack on Israel by Hamas. I'm Mark Mayfield. President Biden says the U.S. is praying and actively working for peace for the people of Israel and Gaza. He spoke yesterday morning at the National Prayer Breakfast. The president also said he and First Lady Jill Biden continue to pray for the families of those three U.S. service members killed in Jordan. Today, the president and First Lady will attend the dignified transfer of the service members' bodies. He finished by saying his prayer is that the country continues to believe its best days are ahead. The Holy See has released the Pope's message for Lent, which begins in less than two weeks on February 14th.
The theme this year is Through the Desert, God Leads Us to Freedom. And in the message, he says, quote, prayer, almsgiving, and fasting are not three unrelated acts, but a single movement of openness and self-emptying in which we cast out the idols that weigh us down, the attachments that imprison us. Then the atrophied and isolated heart, he said, will revive, end quote. The Holy Father met yesterday with the president and trustees of the University of Notre Dame. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins has more. Questo è il segreto dell'educazione. Che si pensa quello che si sente si fa. Che si senta quello che si pensa si fa. Che si faccia quello che si sente si pensa. This is the secret of education, that we think what we feel and do, that we feel what we think and do, and that we do what we feel and think. As he spoke to the men and women responsible for the University of the Fighting Irish, the Pope reflected in depth on what he calls the three languages of education, the head, the heart, and the hands. These three elements of the human person, he said, form the core of Catholic education and its goal of assisting young people to arrive at maturity and completeness. He invited Notre Dame's educators to help students develop their head or mental faculties through deeper appreciation of both learning in general and the richness of the Catholic intellectual tradition. Turning to the heart, known as the seat of wisdom and faith in the Judeo-Christian tradition, Pope Francis said Catholic education should assist students to cultivate openness to the three transcendentals, the true, the good, and the beautiful. The Pope asked the Catholic educators of Notre Dame if they help young people dream, inviting them to respond in their own conscience. He therefore upheld the role of religion in educating people's hearts in a way that will help students to renew society and face the challenges of life. The hands, or active charitable aspect of the human person, represent the goal of Catholic education, said the Pope. We cannot stay within the walls or boundaries of our institutions, he said. Rather, we must strive to go out to the peripheries and meet and serve Christ in our neighbor. May you continue to offer students, he said, the legacy of a solid Catholic education and help them become a powerful force for good in society. I'm Devin Watkins. The mother of the Oxford High School shooter took the stand yesterday. Jennifer Crumbly is facing charges including involuntary manslaughter in the deaths of four students and the wounding of seven others. Her son, who was 15 at the time of the 2021 mass shooting, was sentenced in December to life in prison. His parents are accused of ignoring their troubled son and allowing him access to a gun. And an agreement has been reached between an engineering firm and residents of Flint, Michigan, who filed a class action lawsuit over the water crisis there. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, leah at sacredheartradio.com. That's leah 
at sacredheartradio.com. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. Let us always bless the feet of the Savior and say to him, My heart, O Lord, protests my fidelity, and my eyes seek your face. Let us keep our eyes on Jesus Christ to contemplate him our whole heart intent on nothing less than to please him without limits. Be as far as possible, even-tempered, and so indicate your stable resolution to love God unreservedly. God wants to see us faithful in the small matters that he entrusts to us. This is far superior to our burning desire to do big things, which seldom come our way. For Sacred Heart Radio, I am Father Chris Armstrong. It's 37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy Feast of the Presentation of the Lord. Happy Candlemas, Happy Feast of the Purification. There are like 10 different names for this feast day. That's how significant it is. So I hope you're celebrating this morning. Sunrise Morning Show legal, political, and sometimes cultural analyst Ken Craycraft back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Professor at Mount St. Mary's Seminary, writes for the Catholic Telegraph, and our Sunday visitor, among other publications. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Annie. Good to be with you today. It is good to have you. And we've been getting a lot of culture from you lately, so let's continue that trend this morning. Uh, We're going to be getting some reading recommendations, good reading to dive into in this month of February, which is Black History Month. Can you talk about why this month is important that we should be focusing our reading efforts on it? Yeah, I think it's I think it's uh, really important, and perhaps it becomes more important every year as we see every year uh, that the, the the issues related to racial uh, um, uh, pre- uh, ra- racial inter- inter- relationships. I'm sorry, uh, don't seem to be improving, or seem in some cases to be getting worse. And so, I think Black History Month is really important. You know, the the month was was established officially in 1976 when uh, President Ford uh, established it, it to coincide with the the uh, bicentennial of the United States which is a really important uh, milestone and and in doing so uh, he encouraged Americans quote to review with admiration the impressive contributions of black Americans to our national life and culture unquote and then he noted that the ideals of freedom and individual rights at the heart of the founding uh, took many years to become a reality for African Americans well I, I would say that 
that you know certainly by 1976 those ideals had not become reality for many uh, African Americans and Black Americans, but even by 2024 they haven't. So it seems to me that it's really important that we uh, that we all, regardless of our our race or demographic, observe Black History Month because Black history is such an integral part of the development of the United States of America. You know, Annie, if you think about it from the from the first settlement of uh, of the eastern part of North America what we call the colonies and then the states slavery was legal more many more years in in what we now call the united states than it has not been you know you mm-hmm. think about slavery having been abolished in 1868 but uh and, and so that's you know 260 some years the slavery actually existed longer than that so more oh, than wow. half of the history of the United States has been one in which uh, black people were enslaved. So I think that I think that kind of is a bracing uh, thing yeah. to think about. And, and it reminds us that there's a long way to go. So I think I think at, at least for three reasons, we think we need to emphasize black history. Month. First is just to remember, you know, we 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 had uh, uh, Holocaust Remembrance Day just a couple of weeks ago. And we talk about the importance of memory to remember the barbarity of slavery. And, and it, it, it was more cruel, and more brutal than most people even realize. Secondly, I think that we need to emphasize that it's a time to celebrate the achievement of black Americans in the United States. Uh, In 1976, President Ford said, quote, we can seize the opportunity to to honor the too often neglected accomplishments of black Americans in every area of endeavor throughout our history, unquote. And that's something that obviously uh, now, uh, some 50 years later, uh, we can celebrate even more as we see the development of black art and culture in the United States and the salutary impact that it's often had on on the broader culture. Um, and then finally, I think, you know, Annie, for all of us, uh, no matter, again, as I said earlier about what color we are, or what race or what demographic uh, uh, we fall into, uh, it's a time for Black History is a, Month is a time for us to concentrate on thinking about our relationship to the other. Now, I don't think that there's anything necessarily racist or or prejudiced about people tending toward their own sort of social groups and the people who are like them. Uh, that's sort of a natural thing to to go uh, to to group of people with whom we have affinity. But we also are called to. Uh, understand and try to get into the place of the other so that we don't see the other as the other, but as someone who shares in our common humanity and our common dignity. And Black History Month is an opportunity for us to do that in a way that we perhaps don't, you know, any time, uh, any other time of the month, obviously, we always should be doing that. But Black History Month is a time to really focus on the need to see the other, not as the other, but as someone who participates in the same uh, human nature that we do. And therefore, we could join in solidarity with all people, regardless of skin color or tone or national origin or uh, any other demographic uh, qualification. So you've got quite a few books to recommend, and I'm going to point people to your column over at our Sunday Visitor, because I don't think we're going to have enough time to unpack all of them. But let's start with what you've got at the top of the list, which is um, a fairly new biography of Frederick Douglass and then some of his own writings. 
Yeah, uh, a wonderful um, book, biography by David W. Blight called Frederick Douglass, Prophet of Freedom. And it really is the definitive biography of what I sometimes, what I refer to, to in the piece as the conscience of black America, Frederick Douglass. Douglass, of mm -hmm. course, was a, a born into slavery in Maryland. As a child, he was separated from his parents. His father was probably the plantation master. So he was part yeah. of that sordid uh, uh, history of American uh, uh, slavery in which the, the master uh, had uh, children by uh, some of his slaves. And uh, Frederick, he never knew who his father was, but the, the historical record is pretty clear that his father was probably a slave master. Uh, it tells about his daring escape. And then Douglas's rise to prominence in, uh, in, um, in literature and uh, in media and ultimately even to high government positions uh, in Washington, D.C. So this uneducated black man who, who made a daring escape from slavery uh, and made a, a, a wonderful life and who's become as I say, sort of the conscience of black Americans. And then uh, Douglas's own writing about his life. He wrote three memoirs, uh, one, the first called The Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass, the second, My Bondage and My Freedom, and the third, Life and Times of Frederick Douglass. And what's really interesting about the evolution of these memoirs, Annie, is that in the first ones, he couldn't name names. He couldn't talk about people that helped him escape, for example, or other escaped slaves who he knew, because the, the, the legacy of slavery had not ended, and he would have put wow. people at risk. So he was writing in real time about slavery when people were still in bondage. And by That's the time crazy. he could write The Life and Times of Frederick Douglass, or at the end of his life, he could, uh, he could talk about those names and 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 really uh, make the record more complete so very interesting evolution and they're very nice companions to uh the biography uh by david blight now we've talked before on this show about up from slavery by booker t washington so i'm just going to leave that as a recommendation can you tell us about this next yes. recommendation the souls of black folk well, W.E.B. Du Bois wrote, uh, published a collection of essays that had been published in other places, other magazines, called The Souls of Black Folk. And the reason I mentioned Du Bois in the article is that he was something of a foil for Washington. If Washington would be, could be seen as a reconciler and accommodationist, Du Bois was more uh, assertive and, and more, um, I wouldn't say retaliatory, but he was more assertive and less willing to be forgiving and accommodating a white America. Du Bois talked about what he, what he called famously a veil over black Americans. And that veil prevents them from having full participation in public and social and cultural and political life in America. And he didn't feel that Washington's agenda for technical education for black people was sufficient. And so Dubois emphasized very strongly cultural education, arts and letters, literature, and liberal arts education for Americans. And he actually thought that Dubois' somewhat accommodationist view and, and reconcili reconciliatory view was whole Holding black people back, and it's up to the reader to read the two accounts of uh, of the souls of black folk and up from slavery to themselves decide, you know, who was right and and, mm. and who who history has borne out. But it's a very interesting interplay between the two books and the two men because Dubois specifically criticized Washington's approach, and of course Washington disagreed with Dubois as well. Yeah, interesting. Okay, thirty seconds or less. Give us a pitch for Beloved by Toni Morrison. But no novel, no novel is more uh, is more stirring in my mind and more emotionally evocative than Beloved because for, for simply this reason, Toni Morrison tells the reader what awful, horrible, just unspeakable moral dilemmas that Black people were put in 
by telling the story of a slave who did had to do a she thought a terrible thing in order to avoid the legacy of slavery for her own children mm. and how that haunts her the rest of her life. Beloved wow. is the most stirring, I think the most emotionally stirring novel that I've ever read. Wow. And Toni Morrison, of course, was a, was a Catholic as well. So it's a wonderful novel to tie up these, uh, these series of books. Well, go read more about it in Ken's column over at our sundayvisitor.com, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Ken, thank you. Thank you, Annie. All right, it's 13 till. We're back with Father Hezekiah Carnazzo after this. Are you looking for peace, longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have traveled to nearly every corner of the world. Founded by St. Daniel Comboni, we are an international Catholic organization dedicated to ministering the world's poorest and most abandoned people. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. That is ComboniMissionaries.org. Church Pop takes a fresh and fun look at the news shaping our world, featuring engaging, inspiring, and informative Catholic social media content. Find it on Snapchat, Instagram, and on the web at churchpop.com. And you can get Church Pop emailed directly to your inbox. Visit EWTN.com and click subscribe. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Hezekiah Carnazzo from the Institute of Catholic Culture. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Annie. Such a blessing to be with you today as we prepare ourselves for the fifth Sunday in Ordinary Time. Yeah, it's a blessing to have you back. You know, the past couple of weeks, we've been sticking with this first chapter of Mark in the lectionary. And this week we are in verses 29 to 39 and uh, Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law here. It seems like these past couple of weeks, we've seen quite a few healings, and we've seen a lot of casting out of demons, which also continues in this gospel reading this weekend. So what is Mark trying to do here? It's important to realize the evangelists, the gospel writers, are arranging the story of the life of Christ in such a way. Now, please be careful. I'm not saying that Jesus didn't do these things or didn't do them in this order. But he's particularly highlighting certain things that Jesus did so as to tell us something. And ultimately what he's trying to tell us is that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, uh, the one who comes now and declares the kingdom of God and himself as king, and then goes about doing what, well, a king does, right? A king has dominion over his domain. Uh, and when, we, when, when he, a good king has dominion over his domain, not like 
well, dictators today and things like that. But when a, when a good king does it, he sets his kingdom in order. Um, Jesus now begins his public ministry in the Gospel of Mark with his big declaration, uh, declaration in each one of these healings that he is the one that has dominion over creation. The whole of the created order is his domain. He is the king. He is the one who created it. And when he comes and sees his uh, his realm out of order, he fixes it. He puts it in order, right? Where, where eyes don't see, he, he's, he makes them see. Where, where legs don't walk or feet don't, he makes them work, yeah? When he sees demons in somebody, he casts them out. And so the whole of, of the, the proclamation of the kingdom is given to us in terms of healing so that we can come to see who this one really is. Well, that seems um, quite in contrast to what we read in the first reading, right, from the book of Job. I mean, what you just said was a lot of things that that bring hope. And then you look at Job, who, (laughs) I mean, the end of this reading is so depressing. It goes, I shall not see happiness again, the word of the Lord. I mean, my goodness, Father. Annie, okay, a couple, a couple things. First of all, the church presents this Old Testament reading from Job, which you're right, is very depressing, uh, uh, but it presents it to us because the only way for the king to come and heal as a loving king and not as a dictator is if his, um, if his realm is willing to be healed, yes? If, if God's people open their heart to the fact that we are in need. And so the church presents this reading from Job for us um, to help us get in the mindset that, you know what, look at our life. Apart from the Lord, we've made a mess of, of this whole created order, and he is the one that we need uh, more than anything. And so it's an important beginning of our liturgical uh, day, our Sunday, to say, my life without the Lord is in shambles. And it's the one, it's, it's, it's Jesus who comes now, who's the light of the world. As we declare on the Feast of the Presentation, in the, in, the, in the words of Simeon, he's the one that comes now to heal us, but we have to be willing to be healed. That's number one. The second thing is that we always have to read in context. How many times have I said that? A text without a context is no text at all. It's the same here with Job. We have to understand the context of Job. The story of Job, well, yes, this is a very depressing piece of the reading, but the whole story is a story of great hope that, Job ultimately never loses hope, and we also cannot lose hope. The Lord is going to come. He's going to heal us. He's the divine physician, but a physician works patiently upon his patient. He's careful how he does it. We want Jesus to come into our lives and fix everything right away, right away. Be patient. He's the divine healer, the divine physician. He's going to work and bring healing in his own time in the right way for our health. So that we can then be like Paul, as we read in the second reading in, in his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 9. I mean, he's choosing suffering. Yes, Annie, it's very beautiful, Paul's willingness to suffer here. And we also have to understand this in the greater context of the gospel reading. We talked about the context of Job, but now the context of the gospel reading. They, Jesus has just called the disciples, and now they've placed themselves in the ministry of the proclamation of the gospel. And St. Paul also lays down his life for this very purpose. And all of us now baptized into Christ uh, are given this mission of proclamation. Um, and, uh, and we need to renew that. As we're hearing about Jesus' ministry, the ministry of Paul and the proclamation of the good news, we are also called to lay down our life, to say, Lord, 
it's your kingdom that I want to proclaim, that I have been called, especially having celebrated the Feast of the Presentation, I now walk in your light according to the direction that you give me for my life. Well, and Father, on a a bit of a different note, you know, one of the verses in the second reading for this weekend that really stands out when I talk to you specifically, St. Paul says that when I preach, I offer the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. I mean, to to sum up the mission of the Institute of Catholic Culture, you can look straight at that verse. Well, thank you, Annie. Yeah, Jesus said, you receive freely, give freely. And and uh, and the mission of the Institute of Catholic Culture, for those that are listening, maybe have not come and checked us out online, instituteofcatholicculture.org, well over a thousand hours of free formation in the faith for adults. And, and here it is, yeah, I offer the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. In other words, he doesn't want anything to get in the way of the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. And this is why part of the mission of the Institute of Catholic Culture is that everything we do is offered completely free of charge. So I want to invite your, your, your participants here at the Sunrise Morning Show because we have a similar mission, don't we? Yeah. The proclamation of the good news free of charge. Uh, and at the Institute, you can come and learn scripture courses. We have scripture courses, history, philosophy, theology, whatever it is. We talk about Jesus as the center of our life uh, for the formation of God's people. Institute of Catholic Culture. And you can find instituteofcatholicculture.org linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. And uh, Father Hezekiah and I, thank you, Father, by the way. Um, Father Hezekiah and I do a Bible study each week looking at the Sunday Mass readings. And, okay, so I always learn something new, but I learned something new this week about Job. And I'm not going to spoil it because I want you to go check out the Sunday Gospel Reflection that we do. Go to instituteofcatholicculture.org, click on the menu button, and you'll find the Gospel Reflections there on the menu bar. So go check it out. We got another hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up for most of our affiliates here on EWTN Radio. It is Friday, the 2nd of February. It's the Feast of the Presentation of Jesus. Let's pray the Collect from Mass today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Almighty, ever-living God, we humbly implore your majesty that just as your only begotten Son was presented on this day in the temple, in the substance of our flesh, so by your grace we may be presented to you with minds made pure. We ask this through the same Christ our Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Friday morning. Some of y'all have been with us for a little bit of time already. And 
Hope you've had a great Catholic Schools Week, those of you who observe. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has video up and running. You can check it out in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Emily Jaminet's going to be along on a first Friday to talk about uh, some holy habits of the Sacred Heart, as it were. First Fridays are dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Dr. John Bergsma will discuss presentation, uh, this Feast of the Presentation, and the idea of the glory cloud in the temple. Uh, there's some fascinating layers to that one. Bobby Schindler will be along from the Terry, Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network, also Father Jonathan Duncan, to preview the Sunday Mass readings, so do stay with us if you can. Right now it's two minutes past. News is a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. The Biden administration is imposing sanctions against Israeli settlers in the West Bank. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said the executive order allows for financial sanctions and visa bans against four individuals directly involved in attacking and displacing Palestinian civilians in the occupied West Bank. The move comes after a Palestinian-American teenager was reportedly shot and killed in the West Bank by an Israeli settler last month. The United Nations says attacks by Israeli settlers have increased since the October attack on Israel by Hamas. Meanwhile, a new report says the U.S. is preparing to carry out a series of strikes in Iraq and Syria in response to the attack in Jordan that killed three U.S. service members. Mark Mayfield reports. CBS News reports these strikes will target Iranian facilities and personnel over several days. This comes as President Biden told reporters he has decided on a course of action to retaliate. A number of Iranian-backed groups in the Middle East have ramped up attacks on U.S. personnel in the region following Israel's ongoing war with Hamas. I'm Mark Mayfield. The premature birth rate in the United States has risen 12 percent in the past 10 years. New data released by the CDC this week also showed that early term birth rates were up, rising 20 percent from 2014 to 2022. Experts say several factors may be causing earlier births, including high blood pressure, diabetes and complications associated with obesity. Pope Francis met yesterday with the board and president of the University of Notre Dame. In his address, he reflected on Catholic education in light of the languages of the head, heart, and hands. He said the task of a Catholic university is not to expand, is not only to expand the mind, the head, it must expand the heart. He said, if we think and do not feel, we are not human. He went on to say, quote, Catholic education commits us, among other things, to the building of a better world by teaching mutual coexistence, fraternal solidarity, and peace, end quote. The Holy See yesterday released the Pope's message for Lent under the theme, Through the Desert, God Leads Us to Freedom. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. Recalling the exodus of the Hebrew people from Egypt, Pope Francis explains that our journey through the desert can be a season of grace, not an abstract journey, but a concrete path that involves seeing the world as it really is and hearing the cries of our oppressed brothers and sisters. Too often, the Pope says, there remains within us an inexplicable longing for slavery, a desire to cling to idols that paralyze us as Israel was paralyzed in the desert. Lent, however, is a season of grace a time of conversion where the desert can become a place where our freedom can mature in a personal decision not to fall back into slavery. 
Pope Francis adds that the one journey itself involves a struggle. It's a time for action, the Pope said, but also time to pause, to pause in prayer and to pause in the presence of a wounded brother or sister. Love of God and love of neighbor are one love, Pope Francis continues, explaining that the contemplative dimension of Lent can help us release new energies to be more sensitive to one another. In the place of threats and enemies, we can discover companions and fellow travelers. Pope Francis concludes his Lenten message on a hopeful note. To the extent that this Lent becomes a time of conversion, an anxious humanity will notice a burst of creativity, a flash of new hope. Calling on the faithful to be ready to take risks, he invites them to find the courage to see our world not as ending, but rather at the beginning of a great new chapter of history. Faith and charity take hope. This small child, by the hand, the Pope says, they teach her to walk, and at the same time, she leads them forward. I'm Christopher Wells. The Holy See today released the Pope's message for World Mission Day, which won't take place until October. The theme is go and invite everyone to the banquet. And the Holy Father states at the outset, quote, The theme I have chosen for this year's World Mission Day is taken from the gospel parable of the wedding banquet. After the guests refused his invitation, the king, he said, the main character in the story, tells his servants, Go, therefore, to the thoroughfares and invite to the marriage feast as many as you find. Reflecting on this key passage in the context of the parable and of Jesus' own life, he said, we can discern several important aspects of evangelization. And Punxsutawney Phil is set to make his 138th annual appearance today. The Pennsylvania tradition sees the famous groundhog predicting whether we'll have an early spring or six more weeks of cold and snow. Groundhog.org says the state's earliest settlers began settling, celebrating Groundhog Day in the 1800s. So I always like to say that uh, on the Feast of the Presentation, Anna Mitchell, Mm -hmm. it's when Simeon sees the Messiah's foreshadow, Mm -hmm. which means we got two more Sundays of ordinary time. That's how it plays out this year. Yeah. Just so you know. And then then Lent. And then Lent. It's crazy that Lent is February 14th. My goodness. I I think I'm I'm ready for Lent. Lent doesn't. Lent mean, or is it, does Lent mean spring? It does. Yeah. So I think that's, did you see the blog post that I sent you? Oh, about how they used to use badgers instead of groundhogs. In Germany. And, you know, they this didn't is a, Can you groundhogs post. Groundhogs were more plentiful here in the USA. Will you post that on our Facebook page? I think people I I will find, find this interesting. My uh, father, Stephen Freeman, you got to check this out about. Where the, because groundhogs, they didn't have, what was it, like hedgehogs, I think? Hedgehogs, they couldn't find hedgehogs badgers. very easily. They could not find the any United stinking States. badgers. Yes. None of them. Today is Friday, February the 2nd, the great feast of the presentation of our Lord in the temple. Hope you can uh, get to Mass today for the blessing of the candles. Emily Jaminette joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're using her book every first Friday, Holy Habits from the Sacred Heart. Emily, good morning. Well, good morning to you. What a beautiful day. I'm so excited we get to talk about the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Yes, absolutely. And pretty cool this year that the first Friday of February would line up with the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord 
also known as Candlemas, of course, because we bless the candles to remember that the light of the world has come into the world and fitting then that our theme this month from your book is welcome the light. What do you mean by that? Well, I think it's important that we welcome Jesus, right? He's always, always, always reaching out to us, but it's really our response to him what really matters the most. And so welcoming the light of Christ, letting the light of Christ into your life so that he can bring this new clarity really to to everything we do and awaken our soul so that we live um, a life of holiness. It's really just responding to that. And, and I talk about in this particular chapter, chapter, overcoming shame with faith in mm-hmm. God's grace, because a lot of times in life, you know, we hold our past sins and, you know, almost a sense of shame and baggage, but Christ doesn't want us to cling to that. He wants us to respond to his love and to share that love with others. Yeah, and uh, you bring up in here Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. So I'm going to read that now. Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. How incredible that allowing the light to shine into us, you know, get rid of the darkness in our own hearts, and then from there, others can see the light of Jesus through us. You know, renewal is possible, right, every single day. And when we are the light, when we allow Christ to work through us, and I love to say, you know, we don't white knuckle our faith and just try to fake it. You know, this is about receiving this unbelievable gift so that we can go forth and share it with others. And, you know, that's what I just couldn't believe that this idea of light and the presentation and, and not being overwhelmed by even the difficulties of our day. You know, a lot of times, Annie, sometimes we, we can think that faith is just like an insurance policy for the end of our life, but it's really about every single day and how we treat others. But because of our love for Christ, that's what is our, our ultimate motivation to the path of holiness. So I absolutely love the devotion to the Sacred Heart. I see the relevance in every aspect And even the fact that Jesus does not protect his heart, his most sacred heart, it's outside of his body when he revealed himself to St. Margaret Mary in these beautiful apparitions 350 years ago, because he wants us to know he's obtainable to us. He's he's available. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah, you're right. We don't want to white knuckle our faith. Uh, We need and we need to have aids i think i you know this is something that that the uh the uh, heresy of iconoclasm really gets wrong is that we need reminders of the fact that our faith is meant to inform every aspect of our lives and what i'm getting at here emily is um uh enthronement of an image of the sacred heart in our homes is like welcoming that light of Christ into our homes so that 
that we can can you talk about this in in your own life with with the image of the sacred heart when you look at it do you find that it can remind you of of what you've just been talking about Absolutely. I think the first step is acknowledging that you're not God and you need God, right? And when Jesus appeared to St. Margaret Mary, it's very interesting. He asked that his image was exposed and honored. And I think that's so relevant, even in a culture now that's obsessed with images. We have images on our phone and everywhere in our life, you know, but he wants to be a part of our life. And he wants to remind us what love looks like, because it's a heart outside of the body. He's pointing to his heart. His heart has a flame, that fiery love. It also has the crown of thorns around it to remind us that our sin hurt his heart. And in that image of the sacred heart, there's a small wound to remind us of the lance that pierced his heart, that gave us the gift of the sacraments. But the image of the sacred heart to me is a holy reminder, a holy stop sign of a covenant our family made with the heart of Jesus. And, you know, when we did our enthronement over 10 years ago uh, at Thanksgiving, who would have ever thought I'd write books and have welcomeisheart.com or I'm promoting yeah. the enthronement because I believe and see with my own eyes what happens when the light of Christ is welcomed into homes. Absolutely. So what would you encourage folks to do to reflect on today in terms of welcoming the light? Well, the first thing I do is I recommend you cultivate a prayer life and, and, and ask Jesus, you know, get on your knees and let him meet you where you're at. Be real with, with the Lord, you know, begin that relationship. But having an image of the heart of Jesus in your home, which almost every Catholic had, especially in the Cincinnati area, I know yes. for certain, <laughs> um, was and is the roadmap to getting us back on track into building a civilization of love. Because Jesus is the king of hearts. He conquers hearts one at a time, but we can't white knuckle our faith. We need to allow his heart to touch our heart, and then we can bring the light to others. We've been talking to Emily Jaminet. You can find her book, Holy Habits of the Sacred Heart, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. And Emily, if there is a listener out there that has not enthroned an image of the sacred heart in their homes, I know you've got a lot of resources over at your site to help them do that. Remind us where to go. Sure. Please visit welcomeisheart.com. You can get a digital download version or we can put a kit in the mail and it'd be perfect for this Lenten season. Welcomeisheart.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com as well. Emily, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a blessed and wonderful first Friday of the month. Thank you. You as well. All right. It's 16 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Support is from Solidarity Health Share. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245.
It's always harder to get out of bed when it's cold outside, so give yourself something to look forward to, like Mystic Monk Coffee for the first cup of the day. You can find a link to Mystic Monk Coffee at our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, and we earn a commission on anything you buy through that link. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug, which you can buy through our online store. Check out the mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. It's more than just another radio show. It's a beacon of truth. Fasten your seatbelt and find out why they call Deacon Harold Berg Sivers the dynamic deacon. Whether it's today's culture, sacred scripture, or the teachings of the church, Deacon Harold and his guests will help set you on fire for the Catholic faith. Join Deacon Harold for a fast-paced hour that sheds encouraging light on today's culture. Beacon of truth, starting Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern, only on EWTN Global Catholic Radio. 18 minutes past the hour, here's Anna with headlines. A report says the U.S. is preparing to carry out a series of strikes in Iraq and Syria in response to the attack in Jordan that killed three U.S. service members. Pope Francis met yesterday with the president and board of the University of Notre Dame, and in that address, he reflected on Catholic education in light of the languages of the head, heart, and hands. Next newscast coming up in about 12 minutes. Anna Mitchell, it is Catholic Schools Week. Hope you've had a good one wherever mm-hmm. you happen to be listening from. I think I mentioned last hour that today, in my son's school, they're doing an all-school armor battle. Did you find um, out what that means? I figured out what it is. Okay, so they've been doing competitions through the week, and they, this is also a way for them to learn about the armor of God that Paul talks mm-hmm. about in Ephesians. And so when a class wins, that teacher gets like a piece of armor. Like the first place gets like an actual you know, kind of helmet thing. Second place gets, you know, like a... The teacher you, does? Okay. Right. The teacher does. Uh, so the teacher gets increasingly bad. So like the belt of truth, if you get third place, I think you get like a pool noodle instead of an actual belt. And then I think they play dodgeball. Just the teachers while the kids watch. Wow. Okay. So, I mean... I don't know what your guys are doing to close out Catholic Schools Week, week where you are, but uh, they're doing it in a fun way where uh, where my son goes. And plus they're learning about the armor of God as well. Which so. is pretty cool. Which is Although we cool. could get, uh, I mean, we could get the folks at Armor of God Radio to come explain the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Tom but, McNew uh, would totally do that. He could do that. Yeah. He could do that. For so sure. at any rate, that's what's so happening. So today at our school, it is um, – uh, an all-school mass, and then all-day adoration. So each of the classes will have, I think it's Take a, a shift. holy half hour, um, for, which is, I think, really cool way to close out Catholic schools as well. Not quite dodgeball, but, you know, kneeling Not before quite. our Lord in the Eucharist. It's the perspective. It's the thing that, it's the thing from which all the other Catholic Schools Week stuff flows. Absolutely. So today's also, um, Dress like a teacher day, and I'm not going to spoil what my son did. But Can you take a picture of him? Great. He turned out great. He did? Oh, yeah. He's, he's, got it, he's got it nailed. The person who he's dressed up like is going to really appreciate this. Okay. So That's awesome. But it is also teacher appreciation day. So I hope all the teachers out there, administrators, parents, and the rest, are appreciated for the good work they do. It's 21 past.
Subscribe to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes. When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, Go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me. Leah at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. A prayer for vocations by our Holy Father, Pope John Paul II. Lord Jesus, as you once called the first disciples to make them fishers of men, let your sweet invitation continue to resound. Give young men and women the grace of responding quickly to your voice. Support our bishops, priests, and consecrated people in their apostolic labor. Grant perseverance to our seminarians and to all those who are carrying out the ideal of a life totally consecrated to your service. Lord, send workers to your harvest and do not allow humanity to be lost for the lack of pastors, missionaries, and people dedicated to the cause of the gospel. Mary, mother of the church, help us to say yes to the Lord who calls us to cooperate in the divine plan of salvation. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Greg Connerman. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. John Bergsma. He is author of many books, including Bible Basics for Catholics, New Testament Basics for Catholics. He's co-author of A Catholic Introduction to the Bible, the Old Testament. Good morning, Doc. Good morning, Anna. So 40 days after Christmas, we mark the feast of the presentation of the Lord in the temple. So to start off our conversation today, Dr. Bergsma, can you talk about the story of the Ark of the Covenant, the glory cloud of the Lord, and the temple, what happened there? Absolutely. So, you know, the temple was filled with the glory cloud of God's presence, as we see in First Kings 6 through 8, when it talks about how Solomon built the temple and consecrated it, especially in First Kings uh, 8. And that signified God's indwelling that house with his presence, and that this is a place not only for the people of Israel, but for all peoples to come and experience his presence. But sadly, Anna, as we know, 400 years later, around 587, due to the sins of the kings and the people, uh, God allowed the temple to be captured and destroyed by the Babylonians, and the people were taken into exile. We call that the Babylon exile. And after about 50 years, they're allowed to go back and rebuild the temple. And we read about that in Ezra and Nehemiah, Anna. But uh, unfortunately, even after they rebuild the temple in Ezra and Nehemiah, we never see that glory cloud uh, return. And some of the prophets speak of this. For example, Ezekiel 
in his visions, in his prophetic book, he sees God's presence leave the temple, for example, in Ezekiel 10 and 11. And then later in his book, he has a vision of the future where he observes the glory of the Lord returning, coming back. And so when we look at, you know, the child Jesus being brought into the temple, it, you know, I'm sure the bystanders hardly noticed what was going on, but when you think about it, Anna, that is the Lord God of Israel in flesh, in, in the person of a little child, coming back into his temple, which he left, you know, 400 years before. And so it, it really is a fulfillment of uh, the prophet's vision that one day the glory of the Lord would return, re-inhabit the temple, and this is the first time then in our Lord's life where he's coming in, and of course he's going to teach from the temple later during his ministry, of, you know, bringing his presence into that house of God. So such a, such a beautiful, um, you know, narrative arc of God's presence in his temple narrative arc. I like that pun there, Dr. Bergsman, because I wanted to ask you about Mary's role in this, the Blessed Virgin Mary. Absolutely. Well, in so many ways, Anna, we we see uh, especially St. Luke drawing out that comparison between the Blessed Mother and the Ark of the Covenant, especially in passages like, for example, um, the Visitation, which we know so well. Um, But there's there's a subtle uh, understory or, or substory going on when we read about the visitation, because we read about, for example, the Blessed Mother going up into the hill country of Judah, and then we read about uh, John the Baptist hearing the voice of the Blessed Mother and leaping in the womb of St. Elizabeth. And especially if we were reading in Greek, Anna, we'd, we'd see the connections going back to Second Samuel 6, uh, which talks about David bringing the Ark of the Covenant up into the hill country of Judah, going up to Jerusalem, and then leaping and dancing, uh, using some of the same language that describes John the Baptist leaping in the womb of St. Elizabeth, as uh, David, you know, leapt in front of the Ark as he brought it in. And then David said, you know, why is this uh, given to me that the Ark of, my, of the Lord should come come to me, and we see St. Elizabeth saying, why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come? And so St. Luke, not only here, but you know, in other places as well, really lines up those connections. And when we see the Blessed Mother then coming back into the temple, bringing the child Jesus on this great feast of the presentation, she's the Ark of the Covenant. She's coming back too, and the ark had been lost since the Babylonians had uh, destroyed Jerusalem, and there were different ideas and concepts about, you know, where did it go and, and will it ever come back? But it's really in the persons of the Blessed Mother that the ark comes back and re-inhabits the temple, and this, this feast and this event in the life of our Lord that we celebrate is, uh, is that timing, it's that event. Wow, it's really incredible. And, you know, sometimes I think that we assume that Jesus, the Messiah, just sort of shows up unexpectedly on the scene at this point in history. But Simeon and Anna really tell us otherwise, don't they? They do. They've been waiting for the coming of the Lord's anointed. Different reasons for that. In the case of Simeon, 
you know, he's he's been receiving, you know, what we might call locutions from the Lord um, about what's going to happen. But then further, many righteous Jews at this time were doing calculations from the book of Daniel, which gives an, an estimated time of about 500 years from the return from exile until the coming of the Messiah, and they figured it had to be around this time. So they were waiting with great expectation. Good stuff. We've been talking to Dr. John Bergsma, and you can find him and his books linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Doc, thank you so much. Absolutely. Talk to you next time. I look forward to it. And um, a really incredible thought when you think of Simeon says, mine eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord, and there he is holding salvation itself, the unity of God and man, God's plan from the beginning. This is an incredible feast. Happy feast of the presentation, everyone. It's half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. A report says the U.S. is preparing to carry out a series of strikes in Iraq and Syria in response to the attack in Jordan that killed three U.S. service members. CBS News reports the strikes will target Iranian facilities and personnel over several days. This comes after President Biden told reporters this week he had decided on a course of action to retaliate. A number of Iranian-backed groups in the Middle East have ramped up attacks on U.S. personnel in the region following Israel's retaliation in the war with Hamas after Hamas attacked on October 7th. Meanwhile, the Biden administration is also imposing sanctions against Israeli settlers in the West Bank. More from Mark Mayfield. The order targets settlers who have been attacking and displacing Palestinian civilians in the occupied region. The move comes after a Palestinian-American teenager was reportedly shot and killed in the West Bank by an Israeli settler last month. The United Nations says attacks by Israeli settlers have increased since the October attack on Israel by Hamas. I'm Mark Mayfield. North Korea is now firing cruise missiles off its west coast. The South Korean military says the launch happened this morning but did not give more details than that. It is the fourth time in the past week that North Korea has launched missiles over the sea. Earlier this morning, leader Kim Jong-un was inspecting a shipyard on North Korea's west coast and was stressing the importance of having a strong naval force in, quote, war preparations. The Holy See has released the Pope's message for Lent, which begins in less than two weeks on February 14th. This under the theme... Through the desert, God leads us to freedom. In the message, the Pope says, quote, Prayer, almsgiving, and fasting are not three unrelated acts, but a single movement of openness and self-emptying in which we cast out the idols that weigh us down. The Holy Father met yesterday with the president and trustees of Notre Dame. Devin Watkins reports. Questo è il segreto dell'educazione. Che si pensa quello che si sente si fa. Che si senta quello che si pensa si fa. Che si faccia quello che si sente si pensa. This is the secret of education that we think what we feel and do, that we feel what we think and do, and that we do what we feel and think. As he spoke to the men and women responsible for the University of the Fighting Irish, the Pope reflected in depth on what he calls the three languages of education, the head, the heart, and the hands. These three elements of the human person, he said, form the core of Catholic education and its goal of assisting young people to arrive at maturity and completeness. 
He invited Notre Dame's educators to help students develop their head or mental faculties through deeper appreciation of both learning in general and the richness of the Catholic intellectual tradition. Turning to the heart, known as the seat of wisdom and faith in the Judeo-Christian tradition, Pope Francis said Catholic education should assist students to cultivate openness to the three transcendentals, the true, the good, and the beautiful. The Pope asked the Catholic educators of Notre Dame if they help young people dream, inviting them to respond in their own conscience. He therefore upheld the role of religion in educating people's hearts in a way that will help students to renew society and face the challenges of life. The hands, or active charitable aspect of the human person, represent the goal of Catholic education, said the Pope. We cannot stay within the walls or boundaries of our institutions, he said. Rather, we must strive to go out to the peripheries and meet and serve Christ in our neighbor. May you continue to offer students, he said, the legacy of a solid Catholic education and help them become a powerful force for good in society. I'm Devin Watkins. An agreement has been reached between an engineering firm and residents of Flint, Michigan, who filed a class action lawsuit against the company. Veolia North America has agreed to pay $25 million to settle the case weeks before a trial was set to begin. The company did not admit to any wrongdoing and said the blame for the Flint water crisis should be directed at government officials. And the premature birth rate in the U.S. has risen 12 percent in the past 10 years. New data released by the CDC this week also showed that early-term birth rates were up, rising 20 percent from 2014 to 2022. Experts say several factors may be causing this, including high blood pressure, diabetes, and complications associated with obesity. That's the news. It's 30. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. What does the church say about Eucharistic fasting? To help us prepare ourselves mentally and spiritually for the wonderful gifts of the Mass and the Eucharist we are about to receive. This small effort on our part is hardly an effort at all, since we are asked to abstain from food or drink excluding water, for only one hour. That's hardly a sacrifice, but rather a reminder to ready ourselves for our Lord Jesus as He comes into our hearts. Yet, it's not unusual to see people enter the parking lot at church with coffee cup in hand, or maybe enjoying the last bite of a snack before rushing into Mass. Presumably, they have no awareness of the simple fast requirement imposed with a few exceptions, on all of us who wish to receive the Eucharist. More importantly, they apparently do not realize the purpose and the value of this fast. This ancient tradition of fasting before receiving communion should not be seen as a duty, but as another means of expressing and increasing our devotion to the Blessed Sacrament. For more information, contact your local pastor or refer to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 
1387. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Deacon Bill Mullaney. The Sunrise Morning Show continues on this Friday, the 2nd of February. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Bobby Schindler from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network. Bobby, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So uh, one of the things that uh, I'm really grateful for you highlighting is families who are standing up for their vulnerable loved ones. Uh, usually they're the, they're the heroes and often unsung heroes in these stories because so much of what they do to care for people uh, just goes unnoticed. But uh, you saw a story recently of a young woman who has been put in that position with her own mother, but who is making some some bold decisions, right? Right. Uh, it, it's really quite quite, <clears throat> quite a story, and you don't hear particularly the age of this young girl. Uh, Amanda Lease, uh, 22 years old, uh, made a decision to care for her mom. Her mom is 45-year-old Carol uh, Lease, and evidently she had a, 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 a near well, drug overdose, and she almost died, and she uh, experienced a significant brain injury. It's, it's, it's referred to as an agnostic brain injury. People often refer to injuries, Matt, they, they kind of lump them as traumatic injuries, and that's actually inaccurate. Uh, traumatic is when you experience kind of a blow to the head, like a car accident or something right. similar. Uh, anoxic is a lack of oxygen. Terry had an, an anoxic brain injury. Uh, near drowning, uh, people who almost mm-hmm. drown have an anoxic brain injury. So she overdosed uh, in September 2023. And uh, on a ventilator, and Amanda had a decision to make. Uh, should she remove the ventilator, uh, which I guess the hospital was uh, suggesting, and Amanda said no. I mean, this is a 22-year-old girl, daughter, who is committed and dedicated her life to caring for her mom. She made a decision. And some of the quotes in this, this article, Matt, I mean, I can't – she's in the I Get It Club. <laughs> it's the, the type of person we talk about. Uh, we need uh, caring for these and making these types of decisions. She's 22 years old, Matt. I mean, mm-hmm. and she completely selfless and decided she was not going to play God. I mean, she said it in the article. It was not, it was, she said, God, I'm quoting, God made a choice to bring my mother back to me and my family and my siblings. I am not God. These doctors are not God. It was, it, if, if it was her time, it would have been, it would have been her time, and, and he, God, wouldn't have brought her back to us. So it's just an amazing story. Now, she, I, I will say there is a caveat. She does refer to her mom as the B word, uh, vegetable, which is a word we condemn using when describing these people or these individuals in these conditions, unfortunately. I guess this shows that, that people just don't understand, I guess, how the harm in using these words, the label uh, loved ones like this. But nevertheless, aside from that, it's an amazing article. And the, the, the one good thing... With social media, Matt, we often see all the negative with social media, but she went on TikTok, this young, this young woman, and it was viewed 13.5 million times. And it was, it was her position to defend her mom, and she made the choice to, to care for and, and allow her mom to continue living. So it's, it's a beautiful testimony, and uh, it's nice to see. you got so many views on TikTok, so she's really sending a, a very life-affirming pro-life message and how we ought to be caring for individuals with these types of brain injuries. Beautiful story. Well, you mentioned that, you know, some of the terminology and language here is, you know, the kind of stuff that we try to avoid in these segments, right? This is something that, you know, you've been trying to help people understand. Like, even the words that we often use, like the V-word vegetable, uh, it 
it betrays a misunderstanding about what's actually going on with people, right? It perpetuates some of the myths. Uh, but I'm going to say that, you know, for a 22-year-old who's only been dealing with this for a couple of months, she's probably going to learn a few things like that <laughs> along the way. So uh, I, I'm not going to be too too hard on her. I'm, I'm just, more than anything else, just uh, Im- impressed by her willingness to kind of share that because, well, you know, uh, her mom overdosing on fentanyl-laced drugs. I, I mean, this is, when Pope Francis talks about throwaway culture, like, that's the kind of person that most of society would say, oh, good, one less drug user in the world. Mm-hmm. Good riddance, right? I mean, these are people who, you know, the whole world wants to throw away. Uh, so, for her to make a stand for, you know, her mom, who's obviously had some rough decisions through her life, I think also, like, speaks deeply to the value of human beings and that you don't, you don't earn the right to your dignity by your life decisions. That's inherent. That's right. You don't, you don't lose your human dignity, your human person, uh, as a consequence of what, what, what put you in, you know, what caused that brain injury in the first place. I mean, that's just, but that's what society tries to convince us. Uh, you know, somehow, like, Terry lost her dignity uh, because she had this, you know, terrible disability and this terrible brain injury. It's just not true. And, and Pope Francis and John Paul... Uh, John Paul even addressed the word vegetable and, and how we, we ought not to describe individuals. They can never become vegetables. They're human beings. And, um, you know, one of the things that Amanda said in this article, she said, I cannot live with the thought that I was the reason my mom did not have a fighting chance. So, I mean, this is just this young girl who so understands, uh, you know, what it means to, to love and have compassion for one another. It's just, as I said, it's just a... It's a wonderful story. You know, you got to remember here, Matt. You know, we, we fight and battle a lot because there, there's there, there's hospitals and, and we come across and and medical professionals that would not allow Amanda to care for her mom. They would say, "I'm sorry, this is going to be a long term uh, prognosis. Your mom's not going to make any type of improvement, and we're going to it's a medical futility case, and we are going to uh, disagree with your decision and take the steps to end your mom's life." So. You know, we, we can't forget that, too. These, these are not always situations where the hospital or the medical ethics committee at the hospital is going to agree with the decisions and, and could push back. And, and oftentimes that's why families call us because we have to now step in and try to help them preserve life and, and get the help so they can care for their, their loved one in these such situations. Yeah, for real. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned 13 and a half million views of her sharing this. Uh, has it been a mixed reaction, more positive, more negative? Uh, have you been able to look through some of the ways that people are responding to her? I have not. I, I don't have a TikTok account. but Oh, God bless article. you. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't I, get I, one I, just I for play. this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know it's popular. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I see enough TikTok on some of the other social media outlets, um, enough to know that I don't want to ever get it. But anyway, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a side of point. Uh, but she said thousands of comments poured in, and she said uh, many of the people were showing support for her. And, uh, I, you know, I, I would recommend not reading the comments. I mean, we still receive comments, you know, yeah. a lot of good comments, but a lot of negative comments. So, I mean, it's good to read the good ones and just ignore, you know, the ones that are nasty and, and mean-spirited. But she did receive a lot of encouraging comments, she said, which is nice. I mean, there's a lot of compassionate people out there uh, still, uh, and, and they understand and, and support someone's decision to, uh, to to care for their loved one this way. So. Um, again, I would, you know, it's, it's hard. To, it's, it was hard to find any any coverage on this. I only found two two uh, media outlets that actually reported on this case. The Daily Wire gave it gave it a lot of uh, 
uh, you know, wrote, wrote extensively about the situation, but that was about it. So it's going to be hard to find if you look for it, but I would urge everybody to read the article. Well, very good. Thank you so much, Bobby Schindler from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network. We've got you linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Matt. God bless you. All right, we're back with Father Jonathan Duncan to look ahead to the Sunday Mass readings right after this, plus headlines with Anna Mitchell. It's a quarter till. Let's see. If something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 877-64-BIBLE. That's 877-64-BIBLE. 877-64-BIBLE. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The most original Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. On Mother Angelica Answering the Call, Father Joseph and Doug Keck mine decades of phone calls answered by Mother Angelica. Mother dishes out teaching, advice, laughter, and plenty of prayers as she takes calls from her family. Mother Angelica Answering the Call, Sunday afternoon, 2 Eastern, on EWTN Radio. Hi, this is Janet Williams. Please join us for Women of Grace today at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on EWTN Radio. Wipe that sleep out of your eyes and now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 13 till, here's Anna with headlines. There are reports now that the U.S. is preparing to carry out a series of strikes in Iraq and Syria in response to the attack in Jordan that killed three U.S. service members. Pope Francis met yesterday with the president and board of the University of Notre Dame, reflecting in his address on Catholic education in light of the languages of the head, heart, and hands. And today is the World Day of Consecrated Life. The U.S. bishops have just recently put out the Kara study on women and men professing perpetual vows in religious life. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And Anna Mitchell having a little trouble getting Father Duncan, but there are a bunch of different things going on mm-hmm. in the readings this oh weekend yeah. for the fifth Sunday in Ordinary Time. And I want to start, we don't ever give enough time to the second reading, but there's a lot in the second reading mm-hmm. uh, for, uh, for us to reflect upon, especially for you and I who have been working in church-type stuff 
for a large, large chunk of our careers. Yeah. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, you know, if I preach the gospel, this is no reason for me to boast, for an obligation has been imposed on me, and woe to me if I do not preach it. If I do so willingly, I have a recompense, but if I do unwillingly, I've been trusted with a stewardship. Well, what then is my recompense? That when I preach, I offer the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. All right. Mm-hmm. So there, there are lots of layers to this, but um, I remember when I was in high school and uh, right up through the beginning of college, uh, for a number of years, I worked at Family Christian Store. And uh, there's not, they're not around anymore. Um, they went out of business a few years back, but Family Christian mm. Store was like the Walmart of Christian bookstores. Oh, sure. Okay. And let me tell you, we got some characters coming through that place. Oh, okay. uh, it was wild. And <laughs> we sold all kinds of things, Christian music, books, and a bunch of other things. But we had a huge section of Bibles in the back. And some of these, uh, you know, were like little handy, like $2 New Testaments, right, mm-hmm. that you could get. But some of them were like really nice, high-end, leather-bound, oh, yeah. you know, gold leaf on the edges, Bibles. And some of those things, you could you could drop $70, Down a pretty dollars penny on it. on it, yeah. But I can tell you that um, almost every year, one of the most stolen Bibles— or most stolen, stolen items in the store was always the Bible. Oh, <laughs> right? interesting. Wow. And sometimes you'd hear a variation on this from St. Paul saying, you know, Paul offered the gospel free of charge, and y'all are charging fifty nine ninety nine for this leather embossed thing with, you know, the tabs mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So, anyway, there there are some, some ways that people can probably take this passage from St. Paul wrongly. <laughs> uh, sure. Which isn't to say, uh, I mean, if... If I decide that I'm going to do all my apostolate work on the radio for free, uh, that's nice to all of you listeners. It's not very nice to my family. (laughs) So we're in a different position than St. Paul because Paul, uh, well, Paul Paul was in a different situation. Well, we do offer this free of charge. We're not charging anybody to listen to Catholic radio. We ask that people be generous and, and pay it forward so that this can remain free. For people to access whenever they happen to tune in or find, you know, the app or listen online that they that they can find this free of charge. We will never charge you for this. But, of course, always ask that you support this mission so that, you know, we can support our families in in doing this. But I mean, there is an aspect here, I think, of of trust in the Lord that that he is going to take care of us in in the work that we do um but this you know what what really gets me out of this matt and and i know you probably well wait do you have another point that you wanted to make before well, just a, just I a cut very you quick point there? that the the idea being that uh paul did not go find non-christians and say i will tell you the gospel for a price Right. Sure. Paul offered the gospel to everyone for free, but he was able to do that because of believers in his midst. Jesus was the same way, right? Mm-hmm. He had um, people who were supporting him, making sure that he had what he needed. Right? Oh, so yeah, the, could, uh... the women in Luke chapter 8. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, what's interesting is that uh, through the Sunrise Morning Show and radio, right, we're able to offer radio stuff free of charge. This is the same kind of philosophy over at the Coming Home Network, mm-hmm. too, is that we have as much possible for free. So if you're a Protestant pastor looking for help— you don't got to pay a nickel for anything, right? right? Yeah, uh, and exactly. EWTN has always kind of, I mean, if I want to go watch a football game on a streaming service, I've got to do like a 
however dollar a month subscription, EWTN.com, you could stream all that stuff for free. Yep. Cable television for free. You can get so. the, um, in fact, I have the EWTN app on my, uh, my TV streaming services, you know, like you can right. go on to like, I don't know, Fire TV or Roku or whatever, mm-hmm. and you can get everything on demand on that EWTN app on yep. your TV if uh, if you don't have even just basic cable, which, of course, it's provided free of charge in that way as well. But what I wanted to say here, Matt, when, when Paul says, um, woe to me if I do not preach it, what hits me in that, because there are so many of us, I mean, we're not priests. We're not up at the pulpit literally preaching the gospel. Most of us are not street evangelists going out. We're not, we're not going and knocking on doors, you know, literally preaching the gospel to people. But you know how we do preach the gospel? Is through our lives and through sharing with people how God has worked in our lives. I, I, I was thinking about how when we know that God has done something in our lives, he has worked. I mean, I, I always go back to listeners probably sick of hearing me talk about when Roma had brain surgery. But, but I go back to that really incredible time in my life, and I mean incredible time, where, where so many graces were coming into our family. Woe to me if I don't tell people about that. Because another thing that I say all the time, if we don't know how God operated in the past, we're never going to be able to, to recognize when he's operating in our lives today. And so it goes with, with reading scripture and seeing how God worked in, in times past in scripture, but also in the lives of the saints and in our own lives. We have got to be willing to share that with people, to give God the credit when he works in our lives so that others are able to see when he's doing that same thing in their own lives so that then they can pass it on to others, and it keeps spreading in that way. It doesn't necessarily mean that you need to know all chapter and verse. I mean, that's helpful. But when we're preaching the gospel, we're preaching God's grace in our lives. And so we don't have to be scripture scholars in order to do that. We can just talk about what's happening in our own life. Yeah, I think people overcomplicate this. Uh, yeah. and, and this is one of the things that I talk about all the time when we're getting people on uh, on the journey home. And John Mark always points this out, too. Uh, at the end of shows, he'll say, you know what, you've got a story. Like, you may not have the same exact story as this guest who was just on here who mm-hmm. was, you know, a Protestant pastor or whatever it was that's, you know, just spent an hour telling their story. But you've got to – everybody's in a story. Yeah. Everybody. Uh, and, you know, everybody has had some sort of way that grace has infiltrated their lives. They've been blessed, right? We've all been blessed. And if we were to stop to think about it, We've been blessed in a whole bunch of ways. Yep. Most of life actually goes well. <laughs> it's yep. only when it doesn't that we notice. Well, and um, we see God work very effectively in those moments, too. We have to have what—I um, read a book by Sister Josephine Garrett on hope recently, and she talks about having the importance of having kingdom vision, being able to see when God is working in our lives— Um, and recognizing it in the moment. So I would encourage people 
today, this weekend, for these readings, and always to pray for that kingdom vision. Kingdom vision. All right. Sounds good. We'll talk to you on a Monday. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.